Welcome to the Emerge On Purpose podcast. This podcast is for technology sales reps and managers who want to become better leaders. Each show will talk about a different leadership principle that will help sales reps and managers emerge on purpose. Again, welcome to the Emerge On Purpose podcast. We have Mr. Drew Rutledge with us today. Drew, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Happy to be here. Drew, tell us a little bit about your role and your team. Um, I work for a large and well-known cybersecurity vendor, and I manage the commercial named accounts team for the U.S., and it's a team of eight sales reps focusing on organizations, employees about 5,000 and up. And you made this jump from rep to leader when? Uh, about five years ago. That's like a lifetime in, in the cybersecurity <laughs> space, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, and I know you've seen a lot. So let's shift gears here. Let's talk about this principle that I know you're passionate about. It's this concept of working on the business as well as in the business. Can you share with us what, what that means, the difference between on the business and in the business? Um, you know, working on the business, I think, is really taking a conscious approach and, and taking control of you know your business, your calendar, proactively working toward a successful future through goal setting, planning, educating yourself, evaluating your wins, and, and learning from your losses. Give me a sense for what the big topics are in, in the business. What are you spending a lot of that time on as a sales leader in the business? Yeah. So with that, it's fighting fires, getting in and stepping in on deals where maybe things are are going sideways, right? Maybe it's dealing with customer satisfaction issues. You know, overall, it's it's reactive in nature. I mean, that makes sense. I think the important an urgent bucket. A lot of times we are going to react to things. There's going to be challenges, even things like hiring people and having performance reviews, things like that can be in the business processes and, and on the business. I, I would also think it's about your desired future state, right? It's, it's where you want to go. It's where your team wants to go. And it's that planning process that allows you to get there. It's obviously an important part of the journey. Can you give me a sense for how do you actually execute that on the business strategy? It's, it's got to go in your calendar and you have to make sure your team's a part of it. And a lot goes into that process. So can you share us a little bit more about how you execute that on the business part of the role of leader? Yeah, absolutely. So sitting down and, and planning out the goals and, and focusing on the future, you know, like you said, planning where you want to go from here. With that, it, it really takes a conscious effort to sit down and, and think about the, the time that's going to be required uh, to do that. So I've got specific kind of a tactical approach that I, I take when it comes to actually calendaring that out. You know, I, I plan my weekly schedule quarter at a time. You know, I need something that's visual, right? I, I've got to plan it out in Excel uh, and then from there putting it into Outlook. So I've got I've got the alerts, you know, after sales close up for one quarter, I'm immediately planning out where I'm going to be spending my time on the business and even in the business so that I've got that that balance and, and I can evaluate that. I'm curious, if you had to slice out the calendar and, and, and take the pie of all your time, is there a sweet spot for the percentage that you would want to spend on the business versus in the business? That's an interesting question because I think that it can depend on the season of business that you're in and the size of your team and, and things like that. And also, you know, your role in the leadership stack. And, and I say that because if, if you are in 
a growth mode. You've got a brand new team. Uh, you're probably going to be spending larger amount of times really with the tactical hands-on training and, and planning out and working, you know, sitting on the same side of the table as the rep. But as you you get a little bit more matured, again, depending on the season of your business, for me, it's, it's spending probably about 40% of my time on the business, and then 60% of the time is going to be in the business and, and putting out fires, et cetera, things like that. That's awesome that you're able to spend that much time on strategy because, I mean, really, that's that's the point is, is how are you leading your team to a place where they're not? There's zero chance that's going to happen unless you consciously spend some time on the business. And I've heard people say that if it's not at least 20 percent, you're missing the boat. And if, if it's more than 60, 70 percent, you're probably sitting in a corner office not knowing what's actually happening in the real world. So the, the fact that you're in that sweet spot, I think, is awesome. And I, I think that's that's pretty important that you stay there. Let's talk about the, the convergence between the conversations that you're having with your team, because I think one of those things that often gets overlooked, good sales reps are also planners. They're, they're also determining how they're going to execute, what they're going to do. And they're not just reacting to the situations. They're being proactive. So as a leader, how do you help your reps have that mindset where they want to get better and, and they want to work on themselves in the business as well? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, sitting down and explaining to them how I do it with with our business and being transparent, kind of opening up the kimono, so to speak, and giving them insight into my process, kind of showing my vulnerabilities there as well. And I think that it helps build rapport in those conversations, but then also understanding the goals that sales reps have, whether it is uh, short term or, or long term. And then from there, kind of depicting, hey, based on those goals, here's some probably some results that you're looking for and brainstorming with them how we're going to get to those results. A lot of that comes down to them understanding, hey, I've got to build my business in some area. I've got to get better somewhere within my business. And so from there, it's like, okay, if we understand that's something that we want to focus on, then what are the specific kind of smart goals that we're going to plan out in order to accomplish that? Another thing I know you're passionate about too is I think a lot of times as leaders, we get caught into that trap of inspecting current state and we, we spend a lot of time determining whether or not the pipeline is real and whether the, the activity levels are where they need to be. And I, I know you believe a lot in role play and I believe a lot in coaching that process that bleeds into the on the business because you're helping your reps get better and they're helping themselves get better with that process they're going through before and after calls. Right. I mean, I would put that in the on the business category too, because you're proactively determining how you can create a better future Absolutely. with those conversations you're having. Any tips you can give us there on when you're having those, those pipeline discussions, how do you let that bleed into a, an on the business coaching conversation versus just looking at the, the inspection of the pipeline? Yeah, so I think that it's first and foremost, be consistent with your your calendaring on that. My reps have their designated time every single week, so it's easy for them to plan around that. So they come in and I set the expectations up front of here's exactly what we're going to be going through. Can I have my checklist? And they've, they've gotten accustomed to that. So going into it and asking questions to inspect it is one piece, but then also 
I don't want to give them all the answers of, hey, here's the strategy of how to approach this. I think it's important that we try to avoid kind of the learned helplessness as much as possible and really ask them questions and go through the pain funnel with them to to see where they think they should go next. And so I think um, getting strategic in in that regard is one piece, but also really planning out time where it's like, okay, this is going to be a, a deal review discussion. This is much more strategic where we're doing some planning, or this is an account strategy session where we're doing some long-term discussions around the account and what we need to do to get deeper and wider. And then there's some where it's like, hey, with this, we're going to go into the numbers, right? We're going to inspect deals and make sure that the forecast is adding up. So I try to separate them as much as possible just because when we get into the numbers aspect of it, I, I want to I get into those pieces and it's easy to get distracted and go off and have these long, you know, <laughs> uh, teaching conversations around strategy and, and areas to improve. I think it's extremely smart that you're trying to separate out those types of conversations. There, there needs to be a vulnerability with the reps when, when we're talking about how we can get better inside of a deal. It's hard for them to be vulnerable on how to get better when we're sitting there trying to determine whether or not their pipeline's actually real. Right. So to have a little bit of a, as we would say, upfront contract about what type of discussion it is, is going to help you, whether it's an in-the-business pipeline conversation or an on-the-business, how do we get better conversation? Right. Okay. So we learned a few things here. One is Make sure there's clarity with the types of conversations we're having with reps. Make sure that we're calendaring out our on-the-business time versus the in-the-business time. And in both of those categories, we can take it a level deeper and determine what our goals are for, for those areas of our calendar. Because I think we both know the only, the only asset that is truly limited is time. So having that process of, of creating your on-the-business time is, is going to obviously help you become more successful there. I'm curious about how you deal with this because your self-improvement game is on another level, in my opinion. I remember a couple of years ago, we're sitting there, I'll be truthful, having a little cigar. <laughs> <laughs> and you're telling me about listening to these podcasts on double speed. Right. I've tried it, man. I've tried listening to these podcasts on double speed and I have a really hard time hearing it because it, it, I did, my brain doesn't just go that fast. I can't, I can't do it that way. So how do you find the time to work on yourself? I mean, you, you have a, you did not reach the summit, man, when you got to, to that leadership role, you keep climbing. And I know personal development from a personal and professional perspective is part of what you do. And I know you're not doing it in a 40 hour work week either. Right. How do you manage that process for yourself to keep getting better? Yeah, I think, you know, there is a genuine, genuine curiosity that I have right? Just a, around so much of what we deal with on a daily basis in our personal lives and, and constantly looking to learn. As I'm going through my day-to-day, -day, I think that there's many areas that influence our, our business lives that are in our personal life. So there may be a lot of hobbies or topics that I'm interested in, and I'll go and learn about those pieces. But they also have aspects that may bleed into my professional life and vice versa. I mean, people tell you all the time, probably how Sandler's helped their home life, right? And so with that also, I'll usually sit down and plan out about the things that I want to improve and where I want to spend my time because time is limited, right? And it's always amazing when you force yourself to sit down and think about the areas that you want to improve. If you're genuinely going to see some improvement in areas, 
um, it takes time. And so you can't be trying to master so much in, in a short period of time. Like it's just not going to happen. Right. So you have to be very deliberate with, with how you spend that time. For me, it's really setting goals and, and thinking about those. Yeah. You know, we obviously believe a lot in creating your own path and being a part of your own plan. And because if you don't have your own plan, you just basically live your life being a part of somebody else's. It's very inspiring to see how you lead your own path. I think that you lead by example with that. The people around you have to recognize, I know I have recognized that and it's inspired me to do more than I, I thought I could. So I appreciate that lesson that I learned from you over the years. And by the way, I mean, you fixed my golf swing in about four seconds. So <laughs> this, this extends far beyond, not that my golf swing is good right now, but it's a lot better than it used to be because you, you fixed my backswing. I still think about it every time I go out, go out on the courses, like Drew told me, don't break the wrists on the backswing, keep them straight a little while longer. Uh, I know that didn't come easy for you and I know you worked hard at it, so. Yeah. Okay. Let's get a little bit of vulnerable here. I mean, we all know, and why this emerging leader topic is so near and dear to my heart is we, we know that that jump is huge. It, it's probably the hardest jump we make in our career is going from a rock star individual contributor to a manager, and it's not an easy jump. And we all have different challenges for different reasons. I think some of us are thrown into it. Like we're literally tossed into the deep end with no life jacket and, and somebody's like, well, they'll learn how to swim. If there was one challenge that you had when you made that jump that you would want other people to try to avoid, what would that challenge be that you had to overcome? Yeah, I would say for me, you know, when I came onto my new team, I was looking for perfection. There was a lot that I wanted to change and, and change it quickly. I think that Sometimes that pursuit of, of perfection and excellence sometimes can come across as, uh, you know, micromanaging or, you know, it can be quite intense for people. You know, so whenever I came in, I, of course, I told everyone, hey, I'm not going to change uh, too much. You know, things should stay pretty consistent. But of course, that's not really how it went down. Right. And so, you know, the increased structure and scrutiny really wasn't well received by anyone even though they may have thought they were necessary changes, but they, of course, didn't appreciate being forced into aspects, especially, you know, when sometimes we, we take on the role of a, of a critical parent. Yeah, we talk a lot about that critical parent role, and it's not a place where we can coach from. That's for sure. And it's not like we don't have to play the role of supervisor sometimes in that role. I think a lot of times when leaders emerge and they become leaders, they overemphasize that supervisor role and they sometimes forget that the coach mentor role is where the magic happens. Right. It's hard to be that coach or mentor if we find ourselves playing that supervisor role, especially in a situation where those guys were your peers five minutes ago and all of a sudden you're the manager. It's, it's hard to take where prior they probably looked at you like you were a mentor and a coach. Now all of a sudden you are that guy and the supervisor comes in, and it, how do I figure that out? How do I separate those two things? Right, absolutely. Yeah, and I think coming into it, you know, it's important that you get feedback from your reps. And as you are looking at aspects that you may feel need to be changed or that could improve, it's very likely that even your reps acknowledge those things as well, right? So there was a turning point with our team where I took everybody in, we went through a, a team storm and looked at where are we now? Where do we need to be in the future? And really gave the, the power to the reps on what those things were. 
coincidentally, they happen to be a lot of the same issues that I felt were broken. So giving the power back to them on how do we fix this um, and really kind of making it their idea because then they were much more bought in. And then it wasn't me telling them what to do. It was them deciding on how they were going to come up with a, a resolution, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Roadblocks that the reps have and our ability to help them remove those things are huge. And, and, and if that's the way we approach it, there's obviously going to be buying. If we approach it the opposite way and basically say, yeah, we need to create more structure, which is probably what needs to happen to remove the roadblocks anyway, it's not going to be received in the same fashion. And frankly, we want our reps to be a part of their own plan. And we want to be the leader that removes roadblocks for them. Doing that early on was a great move by you. Okay, let's just pretend you wanted to get into a leadership role and you were executing well as an individual contributor and you saw that leadership position on the horizon. Is there one piece of advice that you would give somebody before they made the jump, something they can do to get themselves ready? That's a a great question. There's a a few tactical pieces, I guess, in a way. I mean, I think business acumen is something that is incredibly important for leadership. And for business leaders in my world, understanding things from a financial perspective, understanding really how businesses work that we're selling to, understanding those from a financial perspective. Obviously, I've thought about that myself, and I think you're right. You got to bring that mindset to a higher level. I mean, another thing, too, I'm curious what you think about this is, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about why a a rep would want to turn into a leader. And I'll tell you, one of the things is you're not going to make more money. (laughs) So you're not doing it for the money. You're doing it for another reason and your own personal why on why you're making the jump and having that story straight in your own head. Probably a pretty smart thing to do before we make that leap because it's not going to be easy and it's probably going to be the hardest leap we make. We've got to be doing it for the right reasons. So understanding their own why is one of those pieces of advice I would give. And then what you said also is extremely important. How do I get the reps to think at a different level than they're at? So in order for me to do that, I got to understand business acumen and how deals happen and when the escalations occur. How can I add value in those situations? In order to do that, you're obviously going to need some mentors to help you through those types of transitions, right? That's a big piece of it. A mentor is going to help you in, in so many different aspects. You know, whenever you go into management, you don't realize how much of it is psychologist and, and therapist and, and all those things that that comes into to being a leader. You know, you're in uh, the fight with all of these deals and, and bonding with with all of your sales reps. I mean, there, there's so much that goes into it. Having a mentor to bounce ideas off someone that's that's been there before. Right. And can give you insight into how they've dealt with those aspects, but then also somebody that can hold you accountable and call you out whenever you may be getting a little complacent. And someone who understands your goals and understands where you want to be in the future and can can help you identify those areas that you want to go. One other thing about becoming a leader, especially in the sales world, is you're so accustomed to being in control over your time and being in control of your business because you're an individual contributor. But whenever you go into the, the leadership side of it, you're not in control of that in many aspects. And so you really need to be comfortable with focusing on the aspects that you can control. That takes a little bit of learning. It can be uncomfortable at times because you want to step in and you want to help people when you see them struggling on a call or uh, results aren't where they, they want to be. You know, it can be frustrating, but you have to go back to focusing again on what it is that that you can control. And that's, you know, your actions 
your activity, your attitude, how you spend your time and, and what you focus on. You know, what you dwell on is what you become. Really being comfortable with not being in control of a lot of those aspects that you were in control of as a rep. You think you go into a leader role, you got more control. But the reality is you, you've got a, a bigger span. But overall, there's probably less control. Right. Especially inside the organization where you want to impact things in other departments. And it doesn't come as easily as you think it could. When you're a rep and you've got control of your own territory, you pretty much do what you want. Right. Man, you get into leadership and it's a team game for sure. That's a great point. Okay, Drew, I appreciate you joining. It was a pleasure to have the conversation with you. I had a lot of fun and I hope our listeners enjoyed it. And with that, buddy, hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you yeah. for joining. Thanks a lot, Pete. Talk to you soon. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, comment, and share on social media. And if you want to learn more about us, visit our website at sailfish.sandler.com. Dot com.